Um, but I'm here to tell you that the word is already alive, okay? And I don't make the word come alive. Actually, it's the word that makes me come alive. And uh, I believe that God has a word for this church. It is my sincere and honest intention to not be so long-winded on Sundays from here on out. I purposed in my heart. So I, my notes are according, accordingly. I just, uh, I just feel like I've been, I've been just talking too much lately. Acts chapter 19 and verse 23. It's winter out, folks. Man, my prayers must have hit the ceiling. Acts 19 and 23 says, In the same time there arose no small stir about that way, which means that there arose a great stir, and it was talking about the way as in the way of Christianity. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines for Diana, brought no small gain unto the craftsmen. means he made a lot of money. Whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation and said, Sirs, ye know that by this craft we have our wealth. And moreover, ye see in here that none alone at Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people, saying that they be no gods which are made with hands, so that not only this our craft is in danger to be set at naught, but also that the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised and her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worshipeth. And when they heard these things, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And the whole city was filled with confusion. And having caught Gaius and Aristocrus, men of Macedonia, Paul's companions in travel, they rushed with one accord into the theater. And when Paul would have entered in unto the people, the disciples suffered him not And certain of the chief of Asia, which were his friends, sent unto him, desiring him that he would not adventure himself into the theater. Paul wanted right in the middle of things. In verse 32, some therefore cried one thing and some another, for the assembly was confused, and the more part knew not, wherefore they were come together. And they drew Alexander Out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward, and Alexander beckoned with the hand and would have made his defense unto the people. But when they knew that he was a Jew, all with one voice about the space of two hours cried out, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And today, with the help of the Lord, I'll preach on this title, When God Gets Into Your Business. When God gets into your business, you can be seated in Jesus' name. Just to give a little context here, the Apostle Paul was in Ephesus and he was preaching and teaching, and they were having a revival. 
in Ephesus. This was his, uh, I believe it was, it, was, it was his third missionary journey, and they were having a great revival amongst the Jews and also the Gentiles. And there arose a stir in the city. There arose a great riot in the city over this Christian revival that they called the Way that was led by the Apostle Paul. And it seems that in the middle of a revival, in the middle of God doing something great, that there's always a little stir that happens. As a matter of fact, when there's a stir that happens, I know that God is working. It's a good indicator that there's something good going on when the devil gets mad, amen? But this stir, this riot, this thing that happened in Ephesus over this goddess of Diana started with a man named Demetrius. And the Bible says that he was a silversmith. And he specialized in making shrines or, you know, little, uh, little gods um, to the goddess of Diana of the Ephesians, and he employed many people. He probably had a big manufacturing facility, and of course, this was his livelihood. This is how he made money, and many others made money by doing this, and, and he didn't like that. Um, he was very comfortable with what he was doing. Um, his life was sort of in the right, you know, go, what he seemed to be going in the right direction, making money, and living the dream, as we would say. But this new Christian way was causing a hindrance to this man's business. It was causing um, some deductions to his bottom line. And these Christians didn't believe in worshiping this goddess. They only believed in worshiping the one true and living God, this Jesus of Nazareth. So this was a problem because literally Demetrius was making gods with his hands. And these Christians didn't believe in a God that was made with hands. So this caused a huge issue. So Demetrius got all of his employees and it even said that he got others who were involved in the metalworking business involved and he, he, he had a meeting and he said, listen, he talked about this Christian way and how it's really destroying their industry. This Christian way is a detriment to our future in the metal working industry. So they started a riot. They started, a, they started yelling and shouting and, and, and there was, you know, I, I don't know, hundreds, maybe thousands of people gathered and they were shouting, great is Diana of the Ephesians. And the, the town clerk finally had to get, get involved and get them settled down for there was a fear that the Romans would get involved with this riot and there was no really justification for what they were doing. And uh, I believe that this story is told in, in Acts 19 for a reason. Because the whole thing started because God was getting into somebody's business. God was digging into somebody's deep, um, the deep things that w which really controlled them, getting into their business, if you will. 
And I'd like to make a little conjecture if I could. It said as you read this story that there was a man named Alexander. And they actually tried to, to get him at first to calm the crowd, crowd down. And, and uh, just reading and doing a little studying and cross-reference, it, it is possible that this Alexander was, uh, was the metal worker that Paul refers to in his letter to Timothy. Because Timothy was the one who was pastoring in Ephesus. And in 2 Timothy 4 and 14 says, Alexander the coppersmith. Alexander the, the metal worker. Paul said, did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom be thou aware also. For he hath greatly withstood our words. This is what the apostle Paul told Timothy about this Alexander the metal worker whom he had problems with in Ephesus. So Alexander was very possibly, uh, could have been the, the Jewish metal worker who, who had been maybe open to the gospel at first. And, but Paul refers to him in 1 Timothy 1 in another letter, he says, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. So he's talking about those who have made their faith a shipwreck. And then in verse 20, referring to Hymenius and Alexander, whom I've delivered unto Satan that they may learn not to, to blaspheme. So it is possible that this Alexander was the Alexander at this riot in Ephesus. It would make sense because Demetrius did call in all the metal workers. And I believe that possibly Paul was expecting this Alexander to stick up for the gospel. But instead he caved because of the business. For the sake of the industry of metalworking. So God was getting in to their business. And this is just a simple thought today, that God is interested in our business. And I'm not talking about how you make a living necessarily, but I'm talking about getting in to the core of your life, to getting into the depths of your heart. He's interested in being more than an acquaintance. He's interested in, more, in, in being more than somebody that you talk to just once a week at Sunday church. He, he wants to be your friend. He wants to be a part of every part of your life. He wants to be your everything. He's interested in your business. I believe that God wants to bless you. He wants to give you strength and peace and comfort. And I, I love the blessings of God. I love the, the benefits of living for God, the privileges of Pentecost. Amen. My cup does run over and I'm thankful for that. But I believe that God is more interested in making us comfortable. He's interested in really changing our hearts. 
He's interested in changing lives. He's interested in changing our thought processes. This Christian walk, hear me this morning, this Christian life is more than a surface cleansing. It's more than just running through the car wash for a $5 quick wash. It's more than that. It's more than a a quick rinse and a fast dry. He wants to completely change your life. He wants to get to, to the core issues of your heart. He wants to get into the battles that you have in your mind. And he wants to be a part of He wants to get into your business. He's not just a God who wants to give you a little outer cleansing to make you look good. He's interested in more than putting a cherry on the top. But he's interested in getting right into the middle of the pie. Amen. The inward parts, if you will. As I was thinking about this, and this is, this is going to be simple this morning. There's not, there's not going to be any huge revelation of anything. But I believe that God is really searching and he's seeking some people out that that have been holding him back from really getting down to the core depths. We read of the the parable of the sower in, in Matthew 13 and we refer to the scripture often. But we understand that there was four different types of soil. There was the, the hard ground, there, the stony ground, the thorny ground, and and of course, the good ground, and, and the, so, the, the seed landed on all four of the grounds, all four of the types of soil. But the seed only grew on three of the types of soil. And it didn't grow on the hard ground because the fowls of the air caught, them, caught the seed away because of a lack of understanding But in both the stony ground and the thorny ground, the seed did grow. The seed did begin to grow. And the stony ground lacked depth and it lacked root. And as soon as there was some persecution and as soon as some things didn't go right, there was an easy falling away because there was no depth of roots into the soil. That was the stony ground. And then there was the, the thorny soil which choked out the word with the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. And we know the story. We, we, we've read this parable many, many times. But God is interested in his seed having good ground to land in. He's interested in the seed growing and taking root in our lives. He's interested in, in, our, in our hearts being touched by the word of God. We, we've made it very clear that the seed is good. There's nothing wrong with the seed. And there's really nothing wrong with the sower. Okay? But what's the, what's the difference? The differences in these situations was the, was the condition of the ground. And I believe that God is interested in ground that is not suitable for growth, for it to become suitable for growth. Amen. I believe that God 
his seed is good, but he also changes the ground. He also can change the condition of your soil. Amen. And what I'm talking about is he can change your heart. This is, the, this is like the greatest miracle of all Christianity, in my opinion, that God can change your heart. Amen. That he can completely change your desires, your direction, your perspective. He can even change your emotions. He can change your thoughts. This is the greatest miracle of all Christianity that we serve a God who can change the condition of the soil. Amen. So if you're here today and you have some rocks in your heart, God is interested in doing some rock picking. Amen? If you're here today and you got some thorns and weeds growing in that field in your heart, God's interested in some weed be gone. <laughs> Amen? He, he, he likes 2,4-D. That gets it done really quick. He's interested in pulling weeds, pulling rocks. And I, I, I'm here to tell you, that this is, this is part of our Christian walk. These things, if we're not careful, do begin to show up in our lives. Amen. And God can take care of it. But that process of hard ground, thorny ground, rocky ground, God working in it is sometimes less than ideal. It's sometimes painful, and it most certainly is uncomfortable, because God's interested in getting into your business. We don't, we, as Americans, we don't like people getting into our business. What do we say? That's none of your business. And we should be very, very careful never to have that attitude with God, okay? Because he is a gentleman. If you say, God, that's none of your business. That's for me to work out. God's like, okay. But I actually, it actually is my business and I actually can work it out. That's what he's saying. But that process of letting him in to our heart is, is painful. That soil will be turned on top of its head. There's going to be some soil that will be turned upside down that's never seen the light before. And farmers do this on purpose. They turn the ground upside down so it can be exposed to the light Amen, because that, it, help, it helps the soil condition itself. It helps yield more crops. And sometimes when that soil that's been dormant for so it's very comfortable where it's at. That old rock that's been, you know, a couple feet down, it's, it's pretty comfortable where it's at. Nobody can see it. It's all covered up. There might be even some seed, some good seed growing on top of that rock. But over time, 
as those seeds take deeper root in that soil, those roots will begin to hit that rock and something's got to give. God's interested in breaking up these rocks. He's interested in in having a huge old rock pile, Brother Slate, in the middle of the field and getting them out of the soil, getting them out of the ground. He's interested in a, a pile of weeds being plucked out, but it's sometimes painful. There's going to be turmoil in your heart when God gets into your business. There's going to be a disruption from your normal day-to-day life. A lot of times when God's doing this in us, he just kind of messes everything up. No longer is your schedule the same. Your, your daily routine gets messed up. Your, your normal, you know, just your thought process is all messed up because God is getting into your business and he's turning some things upside down. And even though it doesn't feel good, even though it might be painful, even though for sure it's uncomfortable, church, it, it's necessary. It has to happen for growth. Jeremiah 17 and 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. God searches the heart. God knows the heart. God is interested in getting to the heart of man. Brother Pete talked about these works of the flesh this morning and these fleshly desires we have. But I believe that God can change our desires. Amen. That God can, we can, we can testify, but, what, but such were some of you. Amen. We used to walk in the works of the flesh. They used to dominate our lives. But now there's this new law. We have this law of sin and death, but now there's this new law in place. Amen. It's the law of the spirit and it's the law of life and it conquers the law of sin and death. Amen. The the Old Testament law couldn't do it by itself. So God gave us this new law that it could be conquered in our hearts, could be changed. A very familiar portion of Scripture is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says, for the word of God, it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And what this verse is talking about is that this, 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 the word, God, he's able to cut very precisely down things that sometimes are hard to separate. If I were to ask most of you in this room today, what's the difference between your soul and your spirit? We'd be like, I don't know. But there is a difference. All through scripture, they're used together. 
but there is a difference between them. They're, 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 they're very closely connected, soul and spirit, all through Scripture. But there is a difference between them. And the Word of God is precise. It's sharp, and it's able to separate these two things that are so connected all through the Bible. It's able to separate them. Of the joints and marrow, I don't know much about your bones, but I know that your marrow, your bone marrow is in your bones. The word of God is so sharp and precise. It's able to separate your bones from your marrow. We can't do that. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is able to get down into our heart, get into our business, amen? And it's able to separate some things. It's able to separate what's right from what's wrong. It's able to separate the wheat from the tare. It's able to, for that good ground to go in there, and there to be some broken rocks in there and those plucked out and weeds plucked out. It's able to change your heart. He knows what's right and wrong. He knows what we have need of. He, and I believe he knows it better than we know it. There's times where we're deceived by our own selves. That we're, we, are, we have a, a, an altered um, self-analysis of ourselves. We don't even really know what's down deep into our heart that, that's not right. I, I, I purposely say the prayer all the time, God, if there's anything in me that's not right, would you reveal it to me? And God is able to reveal those things through his word because his word is sharp, it's precise, and it's able to divide from what's right from what's wrong. God is an expert heart surgeon. He's an expert at doing heart surgery to get into the core of the issue. Ezekiel 36 and 26, he says, a new heart also will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. God is able to change your heart. Amen. He's able to completely change things in your life. You know, we, we quote that verse um, often. It says, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. And we like to quote it, you know, like, if we'll just trust God, if we'll delight in him, he'll, he'll give me what I want. He'll give you the desires of your heart. So we like to quote it thinking that God will 
give you what you want. And I believe that God is interested in giving good gifts to his children. I believe that. But what this verse really means is he will literally give you the right desires to have. Amen? He will completely change your desires. And now all of a sudden, your desires will line up with the will of God. That's amazing that God would, could do that in our life. And I've seen it. Amen. And there's many, we're, we're a testimony to this very thing that God would completely change the desires of our heart. He's an expert heart surgeon and he's interested in getting into the core. He's interested in getting into your business. Amen. All right, been 30 minutes. It's pretty good. Let's all stand today. This is a simple message, and I just want to allow enough time today. I, I, do, I really believe wholeheartedly that, that God has been prying on some people's hearts in this place, that he's been wanting to do a makeover in your life, just to completely change. And I believe that today, if you will allow him to, if you will open up your heart to him, and you will come and pray and seek God, say, God, I, I really want to be better. I really want to, to draw close to you. And God, I know there's some things down here that aren't quite right. Because there's some things that I feel that aren't quite right. And there's some things that I think that aren't quite right. And that those thoughts and those emotions are coming from somewhere, God. And sometimes it's easy to do a surface clean. And Brother, Brother Bankins talked about this the other day when he was talking about the vial and how God washes it out, but there's sometimes some residue left in that cup. And sometimes God put, he puts more water in there and he stirs it around because he's trying to get that little coffee ring out of there. He's trying to get that residue out of the cup. And sometimes just a quick rinsing doesn't take care of that residue. But there's some, there's some, some soaking that needs to happen. There's some, some time that needs to be spent in the Holy Ghost for that residue to be cleansed. And I believe that's what God's interested in doing in this place today. I think the greatest miracle on earth is when a heart's changed. When somebody's attitude is changed. And somebody just surrenders themselves to the power of the Holy Ghost. Let's just close our eyes in this place. If you just raise your hand. I wonder if we could just pray together and the altars are open. Jesus, we love you. God, I pray, Lord, right now, God, 
Lord, that your Holy Spirit, God, would move, God, in this 